Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Powered by Clear Vision Development Group. This is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Welcome to the program where, sure, you might have gotten a COVID vaccination or two by now, but have you had a flu shot? Scott Godlieb, you may watch him mornings on CNBC as he comes on and does guest commentary. He used to be a FDA commissioner, but he does COVID updates on CNBC's Squawk Box. He says we're in for a big old flu season coming up because of the lack of immunity here in the U.S., because people have been isolating and haven't had flu shots for one or two years now. And it also means that strains could be very aggressive this year. So it will pay to get yourself a flu shot before the season starts. So today on the program, I'm going to focus on wrapping up our list of the 25 dumb mistakes smart leaders make. So we'll be doing 21 through 25 in the next segment. And I'm also going to provide some thinking and discussion around a best practice called beginner's mind. And I'll talk about what beginner's mind is, why it's useful to you as a manager and leader, and how to get better at it. By the way, most of us are absolutely terrible at it. So it might pay to listen to that. And that's coming up today on the show, which is brought to you by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. Number 21 to 25 of the dumb mistakes smart leaders make is coming up next here on Better Than Before. There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog. At University Subaru, it seems to us they're all good. See special pet-friendly features in the new 2021 Subaru Outback and Forester. It's never been easier to hit the open road with your best friend and to keep them safe with Subaru all-wheel drive. Subaru is dog-tested and dog-approved. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru. And a dog a dog. University Subaru, Columbia, homegrown and proud of it. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished, but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move. Or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control. But that's when they had to lead and lead big. Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com.
Welcome back to Better Than Before. This is Tony Richards, and we've been counting down the 25 most dumb mistakes that smart leaders make, and we're up to number 21. This will be wrapping up this particular framework for you this week. And number 21 is constant complaining, constant complaining, unrelenting negativity. I mean, this is always a culture killer, no matter where it comes from in the company, but it's multiplied and amplified when it's coming from the top. So when you become chronically negative, you need to either have enough emotional intelligence development to catch yourself in the act, or if not, then you need to empower others to notice and bring it to your attention. Hey, man, listen, you told me it was okay to say this when I noticed it, but you're too, too negative. You need to pull out of it and get on the positive track. And that's why I always say, try to be relentlessly positive. No matter what comes your way that is disarming, debilitating, negative, be relentlessly positive about it. If you pursue the constant complaining, then you can't snap at them or bite their head off or argue with them when they bring it up to you when they're just trying to help you. So, you got to watch out for this one because it sneaks in so insidiously over time, especially when things resistance, and you've heard me talk about resistance before, which is how the world will come against you when you're trying to do something good or positive, or you're trying to break a habit, or you're trying to accomplish something. Resistance automatically shows up. I call it the dragon, and you have to kill the dragon every single day. The dragon comes from within you. It's your negative side of your behavior, your motivation, your acumen, your skill sets. The negative side looms large. And that's why you have to be relentlessly positive because that helps slay the dragon. And it's not something you can do one time because the dragon or resistance shows up in your life and work every day, every single day. And it's a contest about who will win the day. Will you win the day with positivity or will the dragon defeat you with blocks and complaining and all these things that we're talking about? Number 22 is lack of feedback. And I don't think any of us give enough. We really, really don't. And if you don't provide feedback to your people, if you don't provide assurance that's accurate and appropriate, then you have no basis to expect improvement from your team members. I mean, how are they supposed to improve? They're not getting any feedback. They're not getting any direction. They're not getting any comments. People, when they don't get feedback, they make up their own feedback, which is almost always going to be resistance-based or negative. Well, I guess they don't think I'm doing very well because I haven't heard anything. So let's just cover the various types of feedback here in this section and what you can use them for. And I'm just going to cover four. One is appreciation feedback. This is so easy, but we don't do it. Appreciation feedback goes something like this. Hey, Josh, I noticed the other day that you were doing this, and I just want you to know that was awesome, and I really appreciate you taking that on and doing that. That was really good. That's going to help us a lot. That's appreciation feedback. Or when somebody's really putting forth effort, and maybe they're not making much headway, maybe they're making some mistakes, Maybe they don't have it down exactly yet. A nice jolt of appreciation feedback can sometimes get them over the hump so they have enough energy to conquer those things. 
Hey, I noticed the effort that you're putting in. I know it's not going as you want and maybe not going exactly the way I want. But one thing I can say about you is that you're showing up every day and you're putting forth great effort and it's going to pay off. That's appreciation feedback. Number two is coaching. Coaching is very question-based. If you know the answer that they're looking for, it's withholding the answer and using questions to help them find the answer on their own or to find improvement on their own, rather than giving them what's known as number three feedback, rather than giving them an evaluation, right? Give them coaching. Well, what do you think you need to improve upon? What do you think are the one or two things that you can change or do differently that's going to help you improve your performance? How would you handle that situation again? What can you tell me about what you did and what you might be able to do that you didn't do this time? It's all question-based and it's bringing the person to the conclusion on their own that empowers them that they didn't need help. You're actually are helping them, but you're helping them in a guidance fashion, not in a here, here's the answer fashion. And there are times when you do need to give them the answer when time is tight or the situation is desperate or something like that, or maybe there's just no way they're going to be able to find the answer. It's just out of their wheelhouse so far that you can give them the answer, but try coaching first, just one or two rounds to see if they can get there on their own. I'll never forget when I was a kid that my dad had always tied my shoes. I mean, I was a small boy. My dad had always tied my shoes for me and I'll never forget the day. I'll never forget where I was, what the situation was, what the day was like. It was a fall, pretty crisp and chilly day. And we were on the front porch of my grandfather's store and my shoe had come untied and I looked at him like my shoes untied. Are you going to tie my shoe now? Right. You know, that look that you get and you know, the look you give. And he just looked at me and he goes, it's time for you to do that. And I just looked at him like, you got to be kidding, you know? <laughs> and he just kept looking at me like, go ahead. You can do it. You can tie your shoe. And I did it. And I did it from then on. But sometimes you just got to stop tying people's shoes for them. And they got to learn to tie their own shoe. And that's an analogy. Apply it to whatever situation you want. But that's what coaching is. It's allowing the person to do it themselves with some guidance, but no real hands-on help from you. Number three is evaluation or evaluative feedback. Now, this is where you give them your opinion about how things are going. And coaching is not evaluation. And so a lot of people do not like coaching because they think it's passing judgment or making an evaluation on their performance. And if it is in actuality that, then you're doing it wrong because coaching should not be evaluative feedback. Evaluative feedback should be just that. Here's where I think you are. Here's how I would categorize your performance. And here's how I've scored you. Now, a lot of people only do this once a year, which I think is just stupid. It's just a bad deal because you cannot remember the whole year. You can't remember the great things they did. You can't remember the things they struggled on unless they've struggled all year long and you've just let them struggle. And now it's time for their annual and you're just going to bring that up because it's been going on all year with no help from you. But that should be at least monthly or quarterly. 
not just once a year. I mean, they cannot change it. And they're coming in to get their evaluation from you, which may affect their compensation, their job performance, any promotions they've got their heart set on. And just to get one shot at it and just have no time at all, and then it's going to be another year before you hear whether or not you've gotten better or not, it's just crazy. So evaluative feedback should be given pretty often, maybe in a monthly one-on-one or at least quarterly in a one-on-one. And then finally, number four is observational feedback, where it's kind of evaluation, but it's really not because you're not coming to a conclusion. You're just giving them things that you see. So in other words, you're going, one thing I've noticed is that you maybe approach this issue this way. Have you ever noticed that you do that? Is that a pattern? Is that the way you approach every situation? But it's based on visual and it's based on paying attention to people and picking up on things that may be in their blind spot that you can bring to their attention. It's not coaching. It's not evaluation. It's observational. I've noticed this. What do you think about that? And then what if you change that? Or is that the way you typically do it? Or was that just something you were trying? You have to give them the things you see, but then you have to be open to what they might want to say back to you, right? And so we don't give enough feedback. That's number 22 on our list. All right, let us go to number 23, showing up for duty impaired. This maybe was acceptable in the 70s and maybe in the 80s, part of the 90s, but three martini lunches or three or four beer lunches, they're gone. It's a thing of the past. If you're having a drink with a client in the late afternoon, whatever, but don't go back to work. Don't go back into the workplace and do not do it on a regular basis and do not abuse it. A few times a week is way too much. Once a quarter might be appropriate, but don't go back to work. And you should know what is and isn't for your situation. And if you don't know what's appropriate, maybe there's a problem. It applies to events as well. Go to the organizational sponsored event, go to the company event, have fun, but don't look like someone who cannot handle themselves. Do not post on social media when you're impaired. Do not send emails when you're impaired. Do not have business conversations. Does this make sense? Have fun when you're on your own time, for sure. Talk about things you want to talk about, but use discretion when it comes to any employee or any business conversation when you've been using a substance. Number 24, the lack of forward vision. Lack of forward vision. So when you provide no inspiration and no big picture, then you're leading people to nowhere. Jim Collins, of course, conceived of a concept in Built to Last, his book called The BHAG, Big, Hairy, Audacious Goal. And it's fine to have a BHAG, but it should be aspirational and it should also be directional. And as one of the top leaders in the company, it's part of your accountability to craft a forward, inspiring vision with your top team members that has to be delivered and talked about constantly and consistently. When you're tired of selling it and talking about it, others in your organization are just starting to get it. They're just starting to buy in. They're just starting to follow. So it's a very consistent principle in every organization I've ever been involved in for the last 30 plus years. We're all human beings and our ability to receive, understand, and get on board with messages is just part of how we function. 
your role as a top leader in the organization is to make sure that your vision is compelling and that you don't change it or shift it or get tired of it. You have to keep selling it over the life of the vision, which may be several years. And you've got to find various creative ways to deliver the message and have your other team members deliver it and allow the various levels of your employees to have fun with it and get connected to it in a lot of different ways. All right, we're up to number 25. This is the last one, the last dumb mistake smart leaders make, and it is showing off, showing off. Nothing leads to failure more than unimpressive attempts to impress people. And I am sure that you've seen this before, especially when you maybe were around some younger, more immature leaders. Sometimes this is called posing. Just look at him posing and posturing over there, right? Look at he's posing or posturing for that person, or he's trying to impress that group of people. It's pretty easy to spot and it never looks good. It looks like you're trying too hard and feel like you're trying to make up for some deficiency or an inadequacy. It's simply overcompensating instead of just being yourself, being fairly transparent, being comfortable. You are putting on too much of a front and trying to put on too much of a show. So it's something that you should really back away from and try to minimize it. If that's what you've been doing in the past, a lot of times when kids do that, we call them the class clown, but it's because of some other thing that's going on and they're trying to attract attention to themselves because they have attention deficit disorder. All right. But the attention deficit is they're not getting enough attention. And so they're trying to create situations where people pay more attention to them and drawing excess attention to yourself when it doesn't happen naturally, never looks good. It just looks like desperate attempts to impress people. And so you should shy away from it. Well, that's it. That's our complete list. We have covered it over the last three episodes of better than before the top 25 dumb mistakes that smart leaders make. And I hope you've learned something I hope you've latched onto something that maybe you can either help somebody else with, or you can help yourself with, because, you know, everything gets better when you get better. And when you can stop doing some of these things, or at least tone them down where they're manageable, your performance can go from good to great to elite. Stand by. I'm going to talk about the best practice of beginner's mind. This is going to be interesting to you, I promise. And it's coming up right after this on Better Than Before. There's nothing quite like the love of a good dog. At University Subaru, it seems to us they're all good. See special pet-friendly features in the new 2021 Subaru Outback and Forester. It's never been easier to hit the open road with your best friend and to keep them safe with Subaru all-wheel drive. Subaru is dog-tested and dog-approved. Love, it's what makes a Subaru a Subaru and a dog a dog. University Subaru, Columbia, homegrown and proud of it. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com.
everybody. Welcome back to Better Than Before. This is Master Coach Tony Richards, and I want to talk to you about Beginner's Mind. So what is it? Well, it's a concept which is the development of a mindset that is willing to see everything as though they're seeing it for the first time. And this is not easy because your brain records experiences and all of those things which cause you to form opinions and judgments or values about particular things or processes or people or objects. And putting yourself in this mindset is as though you're seeing the world through the eyes of a child without those predisposed judgments, opinions, or biases. Now, I use this as the top level of listening in my model that I created in developing listening skills. And the ability to fully listen to someone else without your mind judging or forming an opinion while the other person is speaking to you is incredibly difficult to do, but it is achievable and it pays crazy amount of benefits because you're noticing things that you've never noticed before. One of my favorite things to do is there's a YouTube channel with someone that I follow where they break down very popular songs of the past and they show you these parts. And they were telling the story the other day that when they were younger, their older brother told them that, hey, now, when you listen to this song, listen to this. It's kind of faint. and It's in the background. But listen to this cowbell or listen to this part this guitar is playing or listen to these horns here, where normally it just kind of occurs when you're listening to the radio or you're listening to a CD or um, an MP3 or whatever you listen to music on, when you're listening to it, you may have heard that song hundreds or thousands of times, and you don't even notice those little parts in there that are creating part of what's making that song really good song. And uh, he said it just changed his whole perception and the way he listened to music when his brother did that for him. And that's part of what a beginner's mind can help you do. When you can get into beginner's mind listening to someone, you can notice things and hear things and pinpoint things that you've never really paid any attention to before. And so cultivating this beginner's mind emphasizes the importance of approaching problems as a beginner would. A beginner sees many potential possibilities, whereas an expert sees very few possibilities after assuming or accounting for all the limitations they're aware of. And I really work hard at this, especially when a client comes to me for the first time for coaching or a CEO or business leader approaches me about coming in to help their company. I really have to work at erasing everything that I know and have seen in the past. So I don't make assumptions like, oh, yeah, I've seen this before. This is this, this, this. I'll give you a great example of this. If two or three people show up in a leader's office independently, not all three at the same time, but three different people over the course of a few days come into a leader's office and they have a complaint about their supervisor that reports to the leader, right? They're going around their supervisor, they're going to their boss, and they're saying they are doing this and this is not good, and they're doing this and this is not good. And immediately, many times, I'd say 95% of the time, that if three people come into their office 
complaining about someone, they will jump to the conclusion and assume there's something wrong with the supervisor. The supervisor's doing something wrong. Do you know how many times I have been in that situation as a coach? The person comes to me and says, we've got a problem with our supervisor. I've had three complaints about them. And then talk to them and then talk to the people. And it turned out that it really wasn't the supervisor at all. It was the three people that had the problem. But it was automatically assumed since they all three said something about the one supervisor, the one supervisor was the problem. They never considered it was the three people who might have sour grapes or might be disgruntled or whatever, and the supervisor wasn't doing anything out of line or not doing anything wrong. And so if you don't have a beginner's mind and you don't assume something other than what just immediately jumps at you, you just erase that as if you've never heard this kind of situation before, you can jump to some crazy conclusions. And it sounds like this is not intuitive, right? It's not intuitive approach to leading, managing, or mentoring, but you probably would be surprised about how effective it can be in coaching people. And I think here's some reasons why adopting a beginner's mindset, and actually in some cases being a beginner, can offer some incredible advantages when you're taking on established industries and moving your organization forward. Beginner's mind in my opinion, is an incredible asset in a, the world's going faster than it's ever gone before. And slowing it down is counterintuitive because beginner's mind does not rely on received wisdom that experts have passed down for years. It's being a contrarian. It's being curious about what's happening and having a desire to understand how those current events might be affecting future events. In other words, it's just not safe or smart to assume the old ways of doing things are going to keep working rather than accepting the teachings of experts and insiders as the gospel. You kind of start with questions you have after observing your particular organization to come to maybe some different conclusions and you have to have the flexibility. And we actually assess people for the skill of flexibility because it takes flexibility to do this. If you're going to consider how changing circumstances might open up new opportunities, for example, direct to consumer selling was complex and difficult before the internet came along. Then all of a sudden, boom, it wasn't brands that recognized that shift revolutionized industries from eyeglasses to mattresses, to luggage and a lot more. Yeah, they had to build the infrastructure from the ground up, but newly available technology made their work much more feasible than it had been for years in the past. So really the takeaway is you run toward the hard problems, you consider them in the light of the latest information and technology. And when you solve those issues, you'll have less competition, more opportunity. And with the power of beginner's mind, it's possible to look at old problems in a brand new way and discover new solutions. How do you do this? Well, here's a couple of thoughts. You have to break things down into steps. And a lot of times we take big bites of things and come to conclusions. Break it down into steps. Number two, there's that old proverb of fall down seven times, get up eight. So in other words, if you keep running into a wall, you just keep going back, keep going back, keep going back until you find a place where you can break through. Number three is use a don't know mind instead of a prejudgment mind. 
a lot of times our ego doesn't want to appear as if we don't know or don't understand. But beginner's mind, if you see something for the very first time, you don't know and you don't understand. You have to work with it for a while. And number four, here's something that people fall into as habitual. Live outside of shoulds, should be, shouldn't be, or even not the way it used to be or not the way it's supposed to be. Because when people use those, it should be this way, it shouldn't be this way, that's not the way it used to be, and not the way it should be, that always reveals a mindset of idealism rather than realistic. And when you get over into the idealistic mindset, it's totally disconnected from what's actually going on. And when you have a realistic mindset, it's very attuned to what's actually going on. And you might surprise yourself about how much you actually lean toward idealistic mindset versus realistic mindset. And the more you can lean toward realistic, the more of a beginner's mind you can cultivate. Number five, make use of experience. Don't absolutely rule your experiences out, but put it to the side and keep an open mind to how to apply it to each circumstance. I don't know how many times I've gone into a new client or a new coaching assignment, and I had slipped and thought it was going to go one way, and one thing was the issue. And about halfway through, I realized that I had started from the wrong square. It wasn't that at all, because I discovered new things in the process that were actually roots and causes of the real issues. Number six, let go of being an expert. Let go of the image of you're supposed to know, and resist what I call the curse of knowledge. If you know too much sometimes, and I've run into this with people who have very high degree levels of education and learning, that they've climbed to the top of the certified part of a PhD level, for example, or a master's degree, they start living under the curse of knowledge. They know too much. They can't back out of that and consider that perhaps they don't know. So you got to keep that in mind. Number seven, you got to drink in and take in the moment fully. Be present. Be in the moment. Don't be at work thinking about home and don't be home thinking about work. And for sure, don't be thinking about what someone is probably going to say. Just turn your mind off and listen to what they are saying. And we do that all the time. When someone's speaking or someone's talking, we're sitting in the audience. Yeah, believe that. No, don't believe that. No, that's crazy. No, no, not that. Turn that off and just listen. I really think that it's because that people do not get listened to enough that there's a fear that lives inside of them that they're not going to be heard. So they cut people off in conversation. They constantly have a conversation going in their head because they think, well, I'm not ever going to be able to respond to this person. So I'm just going to respond now in my head. And you got to turn that off, be in the moment and be listening with a beginner's mind, not listening with the intent to respond or listen with the intent to judge. A lot of times when I'm coaching people and I'll be talking to them and explaining something to them, and I know, I know immediately when it's happening, I can tell by their eyes. And I say, you're not listening to what I'm saying. You're thinking about what you're going to respond to me with. And you're thinking about what you're going to say next. And you're missing 70% of what I'm telling you. And what I'm telling you is really, really important to your success. And I don't mind going back and starting over or saying it again 
if you want to try this again, but I can just tell you are thinking your stream of self-talk is going like a river right now. And you're not paying attention to me. Number eight is disregard common sense and look for uncommon sense. And if you think about it, common sense is not all that common. Actually, I like people who have uncommon sense. They actually have sense, which is not common. Number nine, get rid of the fear of failing because the fear of failure will drive you to assumptions and jump to conclusions and pressure you to have the exact right answer or pressure you to take action. And so that fear of failure is something you need to at least suspend and work to eliminate. Number 10, focus on questions, not answers. So once the person has finished speaking, or the lecture is over, or the class is concluded, be sure that you have questions not to validate your own thoughts or not to state your own case, but to fully explore what the person has said that could lead to your own understanding. So those are some things you can focus on and work on to move more toward a beginner's mind. I'll be honest with you, it's a very high-level skill. And most of the time, you have to be in the elite level of performance to be able to do it because you have had to, in the past, work very hard to get rid of some of your habits so that you are in a place where it's not as difficult for you because this is incredibly difficult because the habit of thinking differently or changing your stream of consciousness to be non-judgmental or non-validation type stream of consciousness is difficult. It hurts at first when you try to do it, but you might say, well, I can't think about nothing. I'm not saying you think about nothing. Of course, that's impossible. You'll be dead when you have no stream of consciousness, but you can clean it up from the no, buts, however's, I think you're wrong. Uh, I don't believe that all of that stuff that's toward the negative like I said, don't work so hard to try to validate yourself. Work hard to understand. Take it in from another person. Well, that's our show today. Better Than Before is sponsored by University Subaru. University Subaru, homegrown and proud of it. You can follow me on Twitter at Tony Richards 4. You can come to Facebook and like my Facebook page. That is Tony Richards, speaker, author, coach. You can hook up with me on LinkedIn at Tony Richards 4. And you can come to our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com and sign up for our weekly Monday morning memo, which has three big ideas from me and a nice article that I've written every single week and a key question to consider for yourself. That's the Monday morning memo comes out every Monday morning and you can sign up at clearvisiondevelopment.com right on the Holden page. Special thanks as always to our producer, Tessa Hall, that always splices me together and makes me sound good. And until we visit again next week, I'm your host, Tony Richards, reminding you as I do every week that everything gets better when you get better. for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.